upward living. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 24 says, The way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. The way of life winds upward for the wise. Now, the word hell in this passage is the Old Testament famous word, Hebrew word Sheol, which, depending on the context, could speak of a pit, it could speak of death, it could speak of the grave. And for them, that would have more than likely been what we would have called a cave, by the way. A grotto, they say over there. A cave. Or it could speak of the eternal abode of those who turn away from God into wickedness. But a place we know as hell. And this is how it was translated by the New King James translators. And they're probably right. The way of life winds upward for the wise. You may turn away from hell below. You know, when I think about the upward way, I think about that old hymn, Higher Ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's doubts at me are hurled, for faith has caught the joyful sound, the sound of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till rest I found, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. If you know the chorus, join me as we sing it. Lord, lift me up and let me stand By faith on heaven's table land A higher plane than I have found Lord, lead me on to higher ground Isn't that a great old song? And what a great message in it. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. What a great thought. Though some may dwell where these abound, (laughs) not me. I want some higher ground. Are you with the hymn writer on that tonight? I don't want to live in my whole life just in doubt and dismay. Not me. I'm here tonight to let you know that that higher ground is available to us and that is exactly what the Proverbs speak to us about. I have to admit to you, while part of me thinks of that old hymn, the other part of me also thinks of the Jeffersons. How would you like to have to live with that pinball going on in your head all the time, all the time? I'm moving on up to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Very politically inappropriate uh, sitcom by these days. But hey, I didn't publish the thing and put it out. Hollywood did that. Yeah. 
Well, unlike many of the Proverbs, our text tonight in Proverbs 15, 24 is not veiled in obscure language or allegory or parallelism. None of those things you have to wade through in order to understand what this passage is talking about. Progress, you see, is often conceived as a climbing path. Climbing, uphill. A downward or downhill path is usually descriptive of the opposite. So much that when we say, well, it's going downhill, what do we mean? It's in a state of decline. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Because given our choice, we'd all rather go on the downhill path than to have to climb that uphill path. Going uphill requires constant exertion and effort. A downhill path, though, is one where we just kind of coast along and let gravity do its thing. That's not a good thing. Genesis chapter 49 refers to the famous passage known as we call, it's not known as that in a biblical sense, it's just something we call it. We call it the judgment seat of Jacob, where Jacob called his boys in and he said this of his firstborn, Genesis 49 and 3, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, in the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Because thou wentest up to my father's bed, or thy father's bed, and defilest it, thou went up to my couch. And that's a very sordid story. We're not going to go into that tonight. I just want you to see that passage where Jacob said of his son, Reuben, you're as unstable as water. You know that water will go down and down and down and down until it cannot go down anymore. Water is perceptive to the slightest degree of changing grade. I mean, it doesn't take much to move water from one place to another. Just the slightest downhill grade, and, uh, and there it will go. Uh, where physical life then is under consideration, a person who takes the downward path, according to this proverb, may pay for it with their life. See, Sheol in that passage could refer to the grave. You know and I know a lot of people who are on the downhill path tonight that they're probably not going to stop until their life is forfeit. It happens over and over and over and over again in this country. People start down that way and there's no end. There's no turning around. And it takes them all the way down to death. That's a horrible thing and a tragic thing for a person to waste their life in such a way. But there's something worse. Where spiritual life is concerned, then this passage may well speak of an eternity in hell. And so tonight we want to look at some other passages that describe for us this upward way. We have this great beginning here in Proverbs, but uh, we're going to see some other passages that speak to us of it. It shouldn't be a surprise to you tonight that upward living begins with salvation. This is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God who is rich in his mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. 
and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, has saved us. By grace you are saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, the context of this passage, of course, is set within the framework of the Jews and the Gentiles. When God spoke of the Jew and the Gentile, he had pretty much covered humanity. That covers everybody. Uh, you're either Jew or, or you're not. Uh, you're Jewish or everybody who isn't Jewish, the Jew and the Gentile. And in that glorious truth here in Ephesians chapter 2, we learn that God, rich in mercy God, for His great love, great love God, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He made us alive together in Christ. That tells us that as a Gentile believer in Jesus Christ, we got the exact same salvation that the Jewish believers in Christ did. They didn't get a better salvation than we did. No, we got the exact same. We didn't get a better salvation than they did. But in the incredible love that God had, He didn't just love the Jews, He loved the Gentiles as well. And He made us alive together. And then He raised us up together with Christ. <laughs> that is the ultimate upward way. Because there we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Jesus Christ made us alive. See, true wisdom and spiritual life are not available, not possible to the person who does not know Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ in your life, then there's a predictable path that's going to be followed. You've closed your mind, closed your heart to biblical truth. And so the Proverbs give us this, Proverbs 4, 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. What an interesting thing. Here's the people who can't get to sleep, unless they've done something evil. Isn't that interesting? Unless they cause somebody else to fall, unless they pull somebody else into their wickedness and their evil practices, they can't rest. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. What an incredible depiction of modern American life. They stumble, but they don't even know why they're stumbling. They're falling, but they don't know why they're falling. Never enter, never enters into their mind that I have sinned. Never enters their mind. I violated the law of God. 
never enters their mind. They've trespassed against God. They've violated His truth. Turned their back on Him. And therefore my stumbling and falling is because I'm walking in the darkness and I don't know what I'm doing. I know sometimes I, I, I just dream about things that will never happen, but wouldn't it be great to hear some politician in Washington say, you know, I was stumbling around in the darkness and I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. And I was messed up and I was messing up this nation, but thank God I've been saved and I see how I've done wrong. Wouldn't that be a great testimony to hear? Why is our country in the shape it's in? Because so many people are walking in the wicked way. They're stumbling and they don't even know why they're stumbling. They don't know what's wrong. And we're being led by people who are even worse. You say, yeah, Brother Rich, preach to them Democrats. Well, the Republicans need preaching to too. No offense to anybody. Wicked is wicked. It knows no party affiliation. Wrong is wrong. It knows no party affiliation. And though I certainly can identify more with the Republican platform than I can the others, I still say there's a lot of people who are stumbling around in high positions of government in this country that they don't know what they're stumbling over. And people all over this country in the same shape. What does the Proverbs tell us? Don't follow in their way. Don't let them lead you down their path. Young people here tonight, you listen to what the Proverbs says. This is the word of God to you. What is it? Don't go with them down their way. Don't let them lead you down this way. Because they're leading you in a path that leads to destruction and death. By contrast then, we have this great work of salvation where God has brought us out of that. He has transported us out of that time of wickedness and darkness. And he has raised us up together to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One of the great things I love about the book of Revelation is that John would be shown alternating scenes throughout the book. He'd, be, he'd see a, a scene on earth and then there'd be a scene in heaven, scene on earth, scene in heaven, chaos on earth, joy in heaven. It, it follows that theme. Read it sometime. Just sit down. It's only uh, just a few chapters. It's not going to take you very long. Just sit down and read through the whole book at one time. Just discipline yourself. Don't start running references. Don't start looking for a thousand different answers and questions, bouncing back to Genesis and Daniel. Just don't do it. The book tells you you're blessed if you read it. Well, claim that blessing. Just go home and read it. Some, and just look at it with that one simple thing. Seen on earth. Seen in heaven. Seen on earth. Seen in heaven. What's happening on earth? What's happening in heaven? God did it over and over again to the prophet John. <laughs> John was down here. You see Chuck, he'd take him down and let him choke a little while on the dust of a dying planet. And then he'd take him up in heaven and say, breathe deep. Oh, get, a, get a breath of fresh air. You and I need that. 
We spend too much time choking on the dust of a dying planet. We, it gets us all clogged up, not physically, but spiritually. That's why the Bible says, set your affection on things above. Don't just think on things on the earth, but on things above. We're seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. Practical application of that passage is is that we are certain of heaven as if we were already there because in the mind of God, He sees us as already there. Claim that privilege. I know we can't imagine heaven. The Bible tells us that. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart. We can't even imagine. I can only imagine that the song says, No, you can't. No, no, you can't. But we do need to think of these things from time to time. We have been raised up together with Jesus Christ. That's how we get on the upward way. It continues then with spiritual strength. I love Psalm 27 and 11. It says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Because of mine enemies, deliver me not over into the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Uphill climb wears on us after a while. It doesn't take as long now as it used to. After I graduated high school, after playing basketball for all those years and moved to Little Rock, as some of me and my buddies went out one day to climb Pinnacle Mountain, we decided to see if we could run all the way to the top. We were young and dumb. I didn't make it all the way. I mean, I made it to the top. Yes, I didn't run all the way. But I walked really fast, even the part that we weren't running. And I don't know if I could even climb it today. Probably could. Might take me a week. <laughs> hey. Everybody knows that feeling of an uphill climb when you've reached the obvious limits of your endurance. We know the feeling of that heaving chest. Our, our breath is burning. Our legs are trembling. Our hearts are pounding. And all of it is telling us one thing. It's time to quit. Further exertion might be fatal or at least cause you to faint. And that's the description that is found here in the psalm. The psalmist is describing that kind of thing, but he does it in a spiritual way. He said, I had fainted, except I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so he talks about the spiritual discipline that will keep us going when we feel like giving in on this upward way. Uh, he believed then in the goodness of God. Uh, you see, there, there's no other description for this other than up here, upward way. You say, why is it hard? Talked about that this morning. I'm going to spend a lot of time here tonight. I just wanted a little reminder. 
the uphill way is uphill. It doesn't stop being uphill when you hit 50 or 60. I've got my eyes on 70 right now. I'm thinking maybe it's 70. It stops. No. Y'all are giving me that look. I don't even have my glasses on. I can still see that look. No, 70 don't, don't turn it around. Either 80 doesn't turn it around. It's always an uphill way. Isn't it great that even though the way is hard and uphill, we can still see the goodness of God in it? God's still good. Just because He's got me on an uphill path doesn't mean He's not good. I believe in to see the goodness of God. He waited on the Lord. It's impossible to run ahead of Him. He waited on the Lord. People who run away from Him are going to end up going the other way. And running downhill is certainly dangerous. He talked about the courage that was needed. You don't travel that uphill path very long before you realize that it can get pretty scary sometimes. And we need courage. It's not so much that we're afraid of what our enemies would do, although the psalmist did speak of those things. We're afraid of the possible consequences of, our, of things to our family, of what it might do to them, of what it might do to our church, or what it might do to our lives and our testimony. God has a way then of reminding us for the need of courage because even when the enemies are shouting out the things that the enemies shout out and the false witness and the cruelty is being spread around and the constant health the problems and the difficulties that we face, we need courage. Courage to keep going. It's easy to quit. Keep going. I like that the psalmist was promised strength for his heart. He shall strengthen thine heart. Isn't that a great passage? Yeah. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart now for those of you like myself who sometimes have a heart that flutters around a little bit you know that always gets you attention it does when you begin to feel those little twinges from time to time yeah it gets our attention I'm glad that God is able to strengthen our hearts but that's not our physical heart that he's talking about our spiritual heart it's the heart that Paul was spoken of when he said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that floweth, sloweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap, if you do not lose heart you do not lose heart you see that heart is what keeps us going it'll keep us going when our legs are given out the heart will keep us going and so we don't lose courage we don't lose heart we don't give up we don't give out instead we do what the psalmist said in Psalm 121 in verse 1 I will lift up mine eyes to the hills 
from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heavens and the earth. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Now, I wish I had a long flight of stairs tonight. I don't. I just got all of these. That, uh, I, I, I want you to think about something with me. I'm, uh, just imagine I'm down here and think with me. Just imagine that the steps are a lot higher than they are. I've got a long way to climb. And I get about halfway up and I get tired. So am I going to turn around to somebody down there and say, here, give me a hand. No, if you're asking for help, where do you turn? <laughs> Somebody's above you. Give me a hand. <laughs> help me up. Why did the psalmist say, I'll lift up mine eyes. We need help from above. Somebody that's above us. That's where our strength comes from. That's where our help comes from. It uh, doesn't matter where you are on that uphill climb, folk. God is always above you. He's always above us. And He always responds when we lift that hand up and say, I sure could use a hand. He does. He'll help us. The help that He gives may not be what we expected, but uh, I can assure you it'll be what we needed. Lastly, then, that upwards way is God's calling to the finish line. In verse Psalm 23, a very famous passage, he said, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Paul said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing. Every time I preach from this passage, uh, it seems like somebody asked me, well, Paul said there's one thing, but then there's all these things to it. There's a different, uh, multiple ways of illustrating this. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, is, is the golf swing, uh, by the way. Uh, how do you swing a golf club? Well, uh, you address the ball. Uh, you move away. You turn your hands this way, because otherwise you're going to hit a wicked slice. And uh, I can't do it because I got my coat on. You get your back swing up and you start your hips and you get them right here. If you start describing all the ingredients of a golf swing, there's a whole bunch of them. And I can tell you that there's 400 and some odd different ways to hit the ball wrong, and I've discovered every one of them. <laughs> I don't play golf much anymore just for that reason. I'm not any good at it. And I can't seem to get any better. Don't play much, but still enjoy the game. My point is, what did you just do? When you do all of those things, what have you done? You've done one thing. You've swung the golf club. You've made a golf swing. This one thing I do, it's just one thing. But there's some ingredients in this one thing that I do. We're forgetting those things that are behind And, I, and notice this is progressive. That is, it's a constant and ongoing thing of forgetting those things that are behind. Because you know and I know that there's a lot of things behind us 
that keep poking their way into our minds and hearts. And they'll overwhelm us if we'll let them. We forget those things that are behind, good or bad, they're in the past. We forget them. We cannot live our life in the past. Jesus Christ himself, the Lord of glory, told us no man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We can't live our life in the past. It would help, I don't know, how many hundreds of marriages. I didn't say to, plan to say this tonight, but it's popping out anyway. It would help, how, no telling how many hundreds of marriages if we could just learn not to live in the past. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching then forward to those things that are ahead. We live our life with those two things, forgetting and reaching. How do you live a life forgetting and reaching? Forgetting and reaching and what? Pressing on. I press on toward the mark of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, that's what's going to get us home. One of these days, God's going to call us up. Amen. And when he does, it's going to be just like when he jumped in the boat with the disciples that I preached about this morning. Just like that, immediately they're going to be home. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Close your eyes on this life. Just like that, we're across the shore. Rapture comes in a moment in a twinkle of an eye. Faster than that, we're gone. We go home to be with the Lord. And so the assurance then of, of where we're headed and what we're doing calls us to constantly put those things behind us that are in the past. We can't live in the past. We instead have to reach on to those things that are ahead of us. And as we are forgetting and reaching, we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward way. I thought of this in reference to our graduates tonight, but it's equally applicable to all of us. When Jesus Christ saved us, he put us on the upward way. It's an uphill climb, but the destination is set and settled. Let's stand together, please.